What do you do when you realize that you're a woman trapped in a man's body? What do you do when you realize the man you married is a woman? In this series, we reflect on our past to discuss how we got here and explore where we can go from this point moving forward. Hi, and welcome to The Rage. My name is Jennifer Termini. And I'm Callista Termini. Today, we are going to be talking about a difficult subject matter, something that we've touched on in the past, trauma, but we want to explore it a little further because I know that Callista has something very serious that she wants to share. So that's correct, right? Yeah. So this is your trigger warning Um, because this is stuff that's pretty triggering for me. What I wanted to bring up was that, so approximately 15 years ago, I had a depressive episode and I was put on antidepressants and Mm -hmm. we've talked about that. So I'm not going to get into that whole story, but. Wait, this was 15 years ago? Approximately. It has to be longer because we've, I've known you for 17 years. So let's say 17, 18, let's say 18 years. So it was like 2001. So yeah, 18 years ago. Um. And so, yeah, so I was put on antidepressants and they pretty much did a good job of, you know, keeping me in line with not wanting to jump off a cliff for lack of a better. Well, from my perspective, it felt like your anxiety was through the roof without the medication. Yeah. And I remember saying to you. Well, just briefly, you, you stopped taking it when we started dating and I didn't know and we were getting ready for Halloween and you had so much anxiety and I was like, what is wrong with you? Why are you um, acting so agitated and you didn't want to go to the party and you couldn't articulate to me? Yes, I remember and that. And I remember saying, yeah. what's going on? Like, to get real with me. And you said, well, I'm not taking my medicine because I felt like I was getting better and I thought I don't want to take this because you felt it was a weakness. I think you felt it was a weakness and you said, you know, I just want to, I wanted to try to go off of it. I'm happy. I like being with you. And and I was really hoping that I could get off of it. And I said, well, I don't like who you're becoming when you're off of it. So if this is what you need to feel good and not have this anxiety, then I'm in support of whatever you need to take to help you. Mm -hmm. And then you ended up saying, okay, I'm going to get back on it. And every, and you were more relaxed, way more relaxed. Yep. And there have been, times in the past, subsequently, or after that, that subsequent to now, that I uh, tried going off of it. And every time the depression would come back and kick my ass, essentially. Yeah. Like it would creep up on you and you would just start acting different little by little by little. Yeah. Until something would just like, you know. Yes. So the big difference, though, is that two years ago, when I started medically transitioning, the depression and the anxiety completely went away. The thing that I was going to say is that even on the antidepressants, it wasn't like it, it was still there. It was just manageable. Mm -hmm. So now to be living the past two years without the uh, ruminating anxiety and depression sort of, you know, in the background, so to speak, has been really lovely. And you're still taking the medicines, right? I had been. I had been taking the medicine because, you know, with all the changes that we've gone through, uh, having to 
first of all, I mean, change my entire life is not <laughs> something that you do lightly. Right. So it's been a challenge. It's been a real challenge to do that. But I feel today, um, or I should say, in the current frame of time that we're in, that um, I feel good about my life. I feel good where things are. I have a plan moving forward and things are happening. So I'm really happy. And it's not just that, but I feel so much better about myself. And so I don't feel like I need the antidepressants anymore. Mm -hmm. So I have been tapering off. And right now, as a, as a result of being on those antidepressants for 18 years, I guess we're saying, mm -hmm. um, it's like the lid has come off on a lot of these emotions that were always there, but were suppressed in terms of like the real highs or the real lows. The difference is it's like I can experience the lows, but I don't stay there. I don't ruminate and it doesn't turn into where it did in the past into a physiological effect where now I've stopped eating because I because when I get upset, I don't eat. Yeah, and you would go in your room and either go to bed uh -huh. Just hide under the covers or go to your office and hide behind a video game. Yep. Yeah. And all of that. Um, what's interesting is I was really emotional um, last week about stuff. And all I wanted to do was eat fried chicken and waffles. <laughs> <laughs> so I actually did emotional eating. I'm like, I get it now, which is yeah, a very... Before you would eat nothing. I would eat nothing. nothing. And so that's such a departure from who I used to be. Yeah. So everything's very, very different. <laughs> um, so... But in going off of them, it is like the lid has been taken off. And now I'm having these emotional highs and lows that my brain and my... Uh, your body, you're experiencing things in your body too, right? Yeah. Emotional trauma that's trapped in your body that's coming out now. Yes. Are memories coming out about things? Well, yes. Um, it's not so much the memories, it's the emotional trauma associated with those memories because mm -hmm. they were there. But the thing is, it's like... I don't, I really just wanted to, I wanted to be able to process these memories. I really wanted to like move forward. But the fact that it's like, I felt trapped in this feedback loop. Like I could not, it's like, yes, I want to get over this, but I would go to see therapists and talk about it. And mm -hmm. I would just feel kind of blase well, about it. Would you it. get deep about it or would you just touch the surface? Because when no, we were married, you didn't go deep with it. You would just touch on the surface of childhood things that happened or adolescent things that happened. Mm -hmm. You wouldn't expand on it. And it seemed very uncomfortable. So I didn't push. Yeah. Well, it may have been uncomfortable, but what would happen is I would emotionally shut down. Mm -hmm. And that was how I reacted to it because I think also um, identifying as male, I was raised in an environment where you just didn't talk about stuff like that. Well, you haven't even said what it is I know. that you're yeah. talking about. So maybe we should clue them in. Yeah. And so um, family members, uh, this would be a good time. Like if you're listening, you probably don't want to... Uh, hear about stuff like this. This is stuff I've actually... They don't know? No. No, I mean, my mom and dad don't know. Mm. Our daughter doesn't know. So... Um, so tread carefully with yeah. your descriptions. Well, yeah, I, I, which I would anyway. But um, yeah, you probably don't want to know about this stuff. But um, uh, the long and the short of it was I was raped by a man when I was 17 years old. And... Um, he was a friend. He was someone who was older than I was. And me and a couple friends of mine that were all 17 
used to hang out with him because he was 25, 26, 25, 26. And he was he really a friend or was he just someone to hang out with because he was older and he had a place and he could buy you beer? And was it that kind of a friend he or was, was it really a friend? It was really a friend. Like he was, um, but you know, it's like, it wasn't until the end, it really didn't turn into a pedophilia type of situation. And it wasn't rape. It once it happened, I mean, things just drastically changed. So my but, two, fr yeah, go ahead. Well, I mean, were you lucid when this happened? Did you know this was happening? Were you inebriated? Were you? I was fucked up. So yeah. he gave you alcohol or marijuana we, or whatever. Both. And you willingly took that. Yep. We were drinking uh, beer with uh, doing like boiler makers with uh, shots of vodka. Mm -hmm. And then I also got stoned. And so I was definitely not in my right state of mind. Were you passed out? No, I wasn't passed out, but I wasn't like, I wasn't, and this is part of the thing is like, I went into it like pretty much saying, okay, sure. Not really having. Were you curious? Were you wondering no, I think what <sighs> this kind of a thing might be like and not expecting it to go further? I mean, how do what are your thoughts on that? I think I was just drunk as fuck and I didn't know what I was doing. And it literally was a situation where all of a sudden when I was, when it was happening, um, that it was like a shock to my system. And like that part of my brain just suddenly woke up and said, oh my God, what's happening? And panicking, panic, panic, panic. And as soon as it was over, um, when he was done, um, I grabbed my clothes and I remember I was trying to get my clothes on and uh, I hit my head on, on a door frame just trying to get out of the room because oh, I wow. couldn't even walk straight. And mm -hmm. I actually got out of there as quickly as I could and got in my car and drove home. Oh. Yeah, I know. So scary, all of it's so scary. Yeah. I'm sorry that that happened. Yeah. Um, that really sucks. Yeah. And I think part of the reason why it's coming up now is because um, going off the antidepressants means that I can actually start to emotionally deal with um, deal with this stuff. Because I've talked about it in the past. But any time that it would come up, um, there was always, like I said, there was like a lid on it that didn't let all the really bad stuff. Oh yeah, I think, you, you, you wouldn't. With me, you'd say there was, I have childhood trauma, something happened, and you wouldn't really explain what it was. So in my mind, I didn't know if it was consensual or if it was forced. I didn't know what exactly it was because you were very skirting around, but you just would say, you know, there was shame, there was Lot of shame. Uh, just awkwardness around it. And from my perspective, as your wife, or as your girlfriend and then your wife, I didn't want to keep that trauma going for you. If you didn't want to share, I didn't want to keep pushing. You know, like I remember saying you should talk to therapist about this, but I didn't want to keep digging at what was troubling you. Mm -hmm. You told me what you felt comfortable telling me, and then I just said, okay, well, that was then, and let's be in, let's be in the present now. Yeah, and so I think one of the things that 
I'm struggling with right now is that as my gender identity has changed, so has my um, desire for sexual companionship. Mm-hmm. And um, and so, you know, it's like I've been with women, I've been with trans women, but I haven't actually sexually been with a man since that time. But you're open to that now, <sighs> but you weren't then, uh, but you are now. It's like, it's so weird because it's like to say I'm open to it makes it sound like, um, like it's a conscious choice. It's so funny because it's like my... Do you I, feel like it's hormone driven? Yeah, I feel like a lot of it's hormone driven. And I also feel like it's as I, you know, integrate and become more the person I always was supposed to be, mm-hmm. there's a greater truth to what I've been attracted to, mm-hmm. but... As a as someone who was assigned male at birth, I was never attracted to men because, number one, um, I grew up in an environment that was very homophobic. Mm-hmm. Uh, just the other kids would just mercilessly tease one another about mm-hmm. masturbation or, you know, like being gay. And so it was something that there was nobody who I could actually talk to about. And I didn't identify that way. And I grew up at a time when it was like, if you, I mean, it sucks to say this, but it's like AIDS was associated with being gay. Oh, that was in the 80s. Yeah. So, you know, I was a teenager in the 80s. And so um, that was... Which is a great decade, by the way. (laughs) In some ways, in some ways not. Oh, wow. Um, But, you know, it's to each our own experience, too. And I wasn't living my truth. But now that I'm living my truth, understanding that there's a lot of things that I'm attracted to about men. The idea of, you know, the, the you know, character strength, someone who's self-sufficient, someone who's emotionally actually mm-hmm. going to allow me to be a little bit more um, delicate. Yeah, because I was not having that. Right. I was not no. interested in a delicate man. Yeah. And I mean... Well, I liked a sensitive man, but not a you didn't want, delicate man. Yeah, and you didn't want to be with a woman or someone who was emotionally, you know, vulnerable, I guess. No, that's not true. Because you had emotional and have emotional vulnerability. You weren't a masculine man, mm-hmm. but I always wanted you to be more so. But um, you, you weren't feminine. Yeah. Or you didn't portray yourself as feminine. Yes. But you were definitely sensitive. And I did like that. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so, but no, so, you know, I really enjoy my femininity. It's something that is so life-giving for me, too. And mm-hmm. it's like to be able to enjoy all of these Things like something as simple as, you know, the clothes I get to wear just bring me joy. Yeah, you always hated dressing. You hated wearing men's clothes. So I hated you, them. You would wear jeans and a t-shirt or shorts, always with like the white tube socks and the, <laughs> the sneakers. And the only time I saw you get excited about clothes was you wore kind of a fancy suit one time that was a little bit shimmery and it had like this taupe yeah. color to it and you had like a mustard kind of yellow shirt or something you looked really good but it was 
more flashy than your typical attire. And I remember that was like the only time I saw you get excited about and, clothing. And you know why I got excited about it? Why? Was because I was getting compliments from other people on my attire. Uh, I could care less, but it was like I was getting attention for yeah. like, look at you, look, you look handsome, you yeah. know? And that was like- You did. Yeah, and so that made me feel good. Yeah. I can do that with myself now by putting on clothing like this, and wearing makeup and looking in the mirror. And well, I, now I think you compliment yourself. I You're do. Like, Don't I look good, girl? I do. <laughs> girl, it's just, <laughs> yes, yes, queen, yes. Um, oh, no, my. it feels really good. It feels really good to feel at home in my own body. So can I ask you a question about your trauma? Mm, I know no. we kind of touched on it and, and I'm so sorry that that happened yeah, to you. I you. mean, truly, I wouldn't wish anything like that on anyone. Yeah. Um, but how are you processing it now? Because once you speak about it, I feel like it takes a little bit of the sting away. I mean, it doesn't change the horrific thing that happened. Sure. But don't you feel like once you start talking about it, it's when it's not a secret, it starts to lose some of its grip, even though it was awful. Yes. But like you can start kind of processing it and, and saying that was not my fault and that, we, you know, like, is there a way of kind of moving through it in the talking about it or is that not yeah. your experience? No, it is. And part of that is um, what's called trauma response. Mm -hmm. And so understanding how a lot of my behaviors when I feel triggered um, and it can be triggered from you know, anything, uh, a piece of bad news or being stressed out about something. But I have a response to that emotionally. Mm -hmm. And that response is in large part uh, determined by how I deal with trauma. Because now here's this upsetting event. Here's something that's hard to deal with. So how do I do, do that? Yeah. So what's been coming up for me now, um, which I have not experienced in many, many years, is rage. Uh, and um, <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm just thinking that's the name of our yeah. show, The Rage. Yeah. And, and this is one of the reasons why, because there is so much rage yeah. that can come up. Yeah. So, uh, so especially behind the wheel of the car, of the car, my car, um, I don't like driving. I don't like driving in Los Angeles in particular. No, you don't like driving, period. Period. Um, only because there's 10 million other things I could be doing, and I'm usually behind somebody who doesn't know how to drive, which is just about everybody in my book. Um, <laughs> so, but you've been experiencing excessive rage. Yes, yes, excessive rage. And like, for example, if there's somebody who's in the far left-hand lane of the freeway, and they're driving 60 miles an hour, um, I want to drive 80, sorry. And that even but though But you feel like the rage is coming from other things that are starting to surface. They've and it's done nothing. Permeating they've done into, nothing. And I can just go around them. But I it's but it's like that subconscious like you're in my way and why are you here? Why are you doing this? But the rage isn't really about that. It's no, about something completely. else that you haven't dealt yes. with. And that's coming up now. And it's trauma. And that's what trauma is. So this is my response in this rage that I haven't been able to really deal with. And it's come out. You've experienced it throughout our marriage, mm -hmm. but it was always tamped down. Yeah. I couldn't really. And, and it's the thing is, is and I could never. And it was never, blamed on something else. Well, of course. Yeah. And then, and it was it was only blamed on something else because I didn't have the. <sighs> 
tools to really describe I'm it. I'm sorry, to, I'm smiling because I'm having a memory. You got really ragey and upset with me over the coffee. Do you remember that? We have this coffee cylinder that had ground coffee in it. It had a little scoop. Well, <laughs> I had poured coffee on top of the scoop. You know, bad. Don't do that, anyone. Because anyone who has latent rage, it will rise. And you were so mad at me that the scoop was at the bottom and you started to really go off on me. And I said, hold oh, up. I said, is this really oh. what you're mad about? That the scoop is at the bottom of the coffee? I'm sorry, yeah, I wasn't paying attention, but we can get a spoon and we can scoop that out and it's gonna be all good. And I and I kind of pushed it, I, did, I didn't kind of, I definitely pushed that back in your face, like really? Like are you <laughs> raging at me over that? And you were like, oh. Yeah, I am, but it's not really what I'm mad about. I'm mad about something else, and I don't, I don't even know what. And you never really got to why, but you did say to me, well, that's one of my big complaints about you, and if that's my biggest complaint, maybe I need to look elsewhere to find out what's bothering me. Yeah. Um, I know you had other complaints, but you know, you're yeah. not keeping a super clean house. But that's for another episode. Because <laughs> that's Groundhog's Day. And ladies, you can understand, nobody likes doing dishes and laundry and then the next day having to do it all over again. But I digress. <laughs> yeah, let's not go into that. Uh, that's, that's definitely an episode for another day, <laughs> complete with pictures. No, don't, don't. <laughs> I'm, going, no. I'm going to pile shame you. <laughs> um, but yeah, but so anyway, so now I'm dealing with this, these things and these emotions that I haven't had to deal with. Like, even though I haven't felt depressed in two years, thank God, um, my body has still been using this medicine to, uh, and it, Probably hasn't, and, and I've had uh, psychiatrists tell me that mm -hmm. medically it's probably not doing anything for you, mm -hmm. but my brain is still getting the benefit of having these chemicals present and not having to uh, self-moderate uh, on its own. Yeah. So now it's like, whoa, wait a second. Uh, the My brain chemistry is like, oh, so what do you mean? I have to start producing more serotonin. Uh, so you've been cutting back on the dosage? Tapering. Tapering. Yep. Tapering okay. it off. And didn't you tell me that recently someone touched you and it triggered a physical response that triggered a memory yep. that was all trauma related. Well, and it was a, a nice thing that was happening, an affectionate thing. Are you talking about when I wanted to smile direct? No. What tell me? I don't want to get into the details, but you were having um, oh yes, kind yes, of a, yes, a nice okay. romantic it was a, okay. moment with someone, and yep, and it yep. And so uh, there's this book that I'm reading now called <laughs> I'm sorry, I have to laugh. The Smile Direct <laughs> thing was a guy. I was starting two stories. Uh, the Smile Direct thing was. I'll just say, let Smile Direct go. Yeah. Okay. Well, the thing is, is it was a guy who was a salesperson, and he was touching me oh. and he didn't even know me like putting his hand on my oh. on my shoulder and I was just like I don't know you what gives yeah. you and it was just condescending so it was well, like that whole he, you thought it was condescending but in his mind he might have thought he was trying to connect with you I know people if you touch like an arm that usually in body language means you're trying to you like them or you want them to like right. you touching the shoulder I think is supposed to be non-threatening 
or maybe it's the elbow, but anything else is definitely not appropriate. But people should be aware to be mindful not to touch because like you have trauma. So that yeah. seemingly innocent touch was triggering you, right? Well, that and also I found it condescending because it's like, it's that, oh, yes, honey, here, come, let me help you. Oh, okay. And so it's maybe so- it's the shoulder that's not or the forearm that's not supposed to be. This supposed to be neutral. Yeah, it was just kind of like, I'm the man and you're the woman, so I can let me, you know, it, it just had that whole vibe but to it. I will caution you to say that's that's how you experienced it, but it might not be how he was yes. meaning it. I'm so, sure, yeah. you know. Yes. Anyway. Anyway, I, you had a reaction. Yes, I digress. And a lot of that also could have to do with my trauma response. Um, but going off of what you said, I was having romance with someone <laughs> i was having it sounds like something like a someone romance. from like like yeah uh what do you call it like someone from like germany oh you want romance or something <laughs> like that um affection it yes was affection yeah so happening. i was having a moment and so i'm reading this book called the body keeps the score because trauma is held in our body it's held in our muscle memory and so uh let's just say that the muscle memory was triggered during what was otherwise supposed to be a, you know, a consensual uh, experience. Mm-hmm. And I asked for them to stop because all of a sudden I was feeling violated. I was feeling like I was right back there and thinking, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden I'm like, why am I thinking about this person? Did you feel anger, fear, guilt? What was sort of the overriding emotion at that time? Do you recall? Yeah, it was stop and I want to get away. So it was flight. Yeah, I wanted to run away. I wanted to stop and I wanted to get away. And it felt like like I wasn't safe. Oops, let me stop that. So we have five minutes left. <laughs> That's... So maybe you need to go back and just start with I felt. Um, so I was, yeah, I was, it, I was feeling... Um, that flight you felt flight you wanted to run away and was that the first time that you realized that trauma is triggered that your body there's a there's an association with mental what you're thinking in your mind and how your body's responding and vice versa that was the first time i realized that um, this was still that this was was yeah that i have sexual trauma because up until that point, I hadn't dealt with it. I hadn't looked at it. And so that was a very eye-opening experience for me. Uh, one thing I do want to get in and say is that I wanted to Google this person's name and see if I got a, got anything came back. Mm-hmm. And uh, it turns out that in 2007, he was arrested and went to jail for having child pornography. Oh, boy. So... I don't know how I feel about that. I felt sad for him. I really felt sad for him, but it was also sort of like, I don't want to say it was vindication or validation, but it just... Well, it shows you that his intentions were uh, other than, I don't know, that they weren't good. Probably weren't good. And I think for me, it made me realize that... um, that that I am a victim of something that happened and that his intents... Went, were more than just, like, it wasn't just something that happened because I was drunk and he was drunk. Right. Or he got some kind of a vibe off of you. No, he was a predator. Yeah. And it's confirmed that yeah. he's a predator. Yeah. Yeah. So I know we were, we were going to, I was going to share a little bit, but I feel like it was really nice and important to focus this on you because your story is really 
big. Yeah. And mine never got to that level. Yeah. So well, I'm okay not okay. not sharing. Okay. We can do a part two sometime. <laughs> yeah. Sure. <laughs> okay. Well, um, as usual, uh, we really appreciate you tuning in and watching. If you like what you saw, uh, please hit the subscribe button below and uh, leave us your comments. We would like to hear from you. Thank you and goodbye. Bye. Thank you for tuning into The Rage. If you haven't done so already, please hit the like, share, and subscribe button now. We truly appreciate all your wonderful support. Find us on social media at The Rage Episodes and leave us a comment. We'd love to hear from you. Want to get more involved? Join us on Patreon. Supporters receive extra benefits as well as access to member-only content. Thanks again and have a beautiful day.